passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Here's a sample of a free podcast from the Post Wrestling Cafe. $6 gets you through the door at postwrestlingcafe.com. See you later. Hello, and welcome to MCU Later, the free edition. My name is Rich Fan. I am honored to be your host and partying with you. Along with me for the ride is my good friend, WH Park. WH, how are you doing? Brother, let me tell you something. I know we've got a bunch of fucking freeloaders listening to this shit. All right, listen, you fucking cheap bastards. Just sign up to the Patreon, the fucking Post Wrestling Cafe. You will not regret it. Because not only do you get this shit every, every once in a while, whenever Marvel decides to release something, and we cover it, but you get talk, you get like all the New Japan shit that John and Wade do together. You get all the major fucking like show reviews and stuff. I think SmackDown's behind on the on the cafe. Who doesn't want to hear John Wade talk about fucking damage control? Not me, that's for sure. Like I want to hear them talk about it. So guess what? I am a member of the cafe by osmosis. And if you're interested in joining the cafe, you can join for as little as $6, as much as 50. If you wanted to be uh, one cup, one sugar or one milk, one sugar, double, double or espresso members. Uh, So for more info, go to postwrestling.com and get that fine stuff. Joining us as well is a good friend of ours. Good friend of mine, Sam McCoy. Uh, Sam has been along for the ride with me here at, uh, MCU later, as well as my stints over at the Torch. Uh, he's a great dude who has been really uh, helpful for me personally, especially uh, post pandemic with like good comic book tips and just being a good dude. Sam, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Absolutely. Thank you for uh, for having me. You know, I'm doing okay uh, on this. We had a nice little. We had technically what's considered a snow squall here where I'm at here in Nebraska right now. Uh, which was uh, pretty crazy because I was having to drive some people home right then, and it was just whiteout conditions, and then the temperature drops uh, extremely quickly, and it was just kind of crazy. So now I know in Nebraska, similar to the Dakotas and uh, Missouri, for instance, uh, you know, the Chiefs just had a game where it was twenty-seven, and with it just being kind of like the plains, when you hit that wind, hit you, and there's nothing to cover it up. It is unholy. Like yes. the chill that enters your, it is not fun. Like one of the things I always wanted to do after seeing like, uh, or playing games like the last of us is like, what would happen if I had to walk cross country? I was like somewhere in the plain States, I would die because I just wouldn't be able to figure it. Just uh, beat it. 
Uh, slightly wrestling related. I actually took some people last Friday to SmackDown here. Um, we were in negative digits. Um, and uh, it was a group that my work had been donated a box, uh, a suite. So we went. And the problem was, is that a bunch of people didn't show due to the weather. And so we were outside uh, waiting in negative temperatures for quite some time because they only had three security gates open so it was uh it's brutal so yeah because <laughs> it was a windy it was really windy too so wh how's it in canada typical it's like i i don't know fahrenheit because i i we have a system that actually makes fucking sense celsius so it's been like minus 10 we had a ton of snow last week it's wonderful if you, if you follow me on the on the gram and on the fb yeah, you probably saw my reel of all the snow that got hit, Tron got hit with. But let me tell you something. You just mentioned Missouri. Do you know about my good friend, Pat Sue from Missouri? I do. Oh, jeez. This is hey. the reason I didn't order Thai for dinner tonight. This is, this is, listen, just let Pat Sue go. Listen, I tell you this, if that fucking Jermaine guy's watching, he's going to be very happy because Sam's wearing a fucking Batman t-shirt <laughs> and nothing Marvel related. Listen, Sam is my, my resident DC go-to guy. He's my resident Marvel, like, off the beaten path aficionado. If you want to talk Swamp Thing, this is what, what I have no, I love Batman. You know what I've been reading? I've been, I've been catching up on, you know that anthology series, Batman Urban Legends? That's yeah. just some, that's some pretty good shit there. I highly recommend it. You know what's also good? Recent, the recent one, Brave and the Bold. Even awesome. though it's got some stupid wild dog story where he has to change the brand of his shirt and shit. I don't like that. But they, they got some really good stories in that in that Brave and the Bold series. Yep. If we're going to go, uh, this is going to be our off the beaten path portion before we get to MC proper and the MC News. And the MC News, uh, I would also recommend strongly, if you have the ability to do so, pause this sprint sprint to your comic book shop and pick up Cobra Commander number one. I am loving the Energon universe. I love what... Yeah, don't shake your head. What, what, what do you got against the Energon universe? Uh, Transformers, G.I. Joe, shouldn't exist in the same universe. They should. They existed in no, my no. playpen no. as a kid. They no. do now, and it's wonderful. No. And one of the... I'm, I can't ruin what happens in Cobra Commander 1 because when it happened, I was getting my car washed to get the salt off. I put out a yell and a cheer reading it as I waited for my car to get the deep clean because, listen. Did they reveal that Cobra Commander and Starscream are the same person? Not yet. So that is my dream. Currently, just for those of you, just to give you a taste, Megatron has not been found because they're setting it with the 80s premise of, like, they crashed, they're at war, they're all set together. But the addition is Duke from G.I. Joe was scarred because he was going up against a fighter jet, Starscream, and he saw it transform, and the government is hiding it. And so G.I. Joe is slowly going to be like a counter-terrorist organization that's aware of what's going on because they're like, what did you, you didn't see that. You didn't see that, Duke. Hashtag, Clearly, not, my, hashtag not my Duke. Oh, he, he's my Duke. Hashtag he's my Duke. And then on the other side, Cobra Commander's doing some heinous stuff. I'll just say this because I, I can't hold it in my soul. They brought back Cobra Law, and if there's anything you need to know about me, Cobra Law and all that weird crap is up there with the with the Transformers movie where Ultra Magnus and all those guys all of a sudden are cussing. Are, are, and doing are, you, are you pro Sergeant Slaughter in G.I. Joe? I'm, oh, my God. Okay. 
this is MCU later, not the G.I. Joe experience, but half of my argument for G.I. Joe, I got into with me and uh, Alan Forel, and uh, uh, there were a couple of other British folk that were bringing up reasons for or against Sergeant Slaughter in the uh, Observer Hall of Fame or whatever. One of the first things I went to was, what pro wrestler in its history before or since had the ability to flip off Vince McMahon and say, I got this, buddy. I don't need you. G.I. Joe made him one of the more popular guys, despite the fact that he was an okay wrestler. His box office was good, not great. But G.I. Joe made him much like when you think about the Sendai girl. Like he was culturally a part of the 80s here in the United States. And I'm getting way too fired up for G.I. Joe and Sergeant Slaughter for 9.50 p.m. Eastern. So I'm going to calm down. And I'm Let me just say, to- the only G.I. Joe I recognize is written by Larry Hama. All right. You guys know how much I love WH, but I will. If we were in the same country, I might have to pistol whip them with my whoa, Kansas whoa, City whoa. Chiefs Super Bowl <laughs> whoa, whoa. because GI <laughs> Joe. Wrap, yeah. to that. No, this is. I, I might have to hit you with my North London is red Arsenal cup. I might have to pull out my uh, incredible, totally awesome Hulk cardboard stand in and hit you. Like I'm no. Matthew and Nicholas. Listen, don't 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 tempt me to to start acting up in the car ride from Pittsburgh to Philly when whenever we pass five zero. You know what I'm saying? See, this is this is this is Kurt Angle. I'm gonna have to bring <laughs> Kurt with me and just bop you in the back of the head with him. This is where I'm at right now. I got my Hawkeye. My son gave me for Christmas in the box. He's like, "Why is your stuff still in the box?" He's like, "Son, you'll understand." Yes, forgive us, but this is what we do. Also. Because this is the free side of things, I do want to open with a couple of seconds talking about the fact that uh, Kazuchika Okada has declared he doesn't want to work there anymore at New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I just I can't blame him. But word is, and by word is, I'm actually pulling this out of my rear end, so don't take this as I put it back. Gato and Tana told him that he was going to have to do another another tour with uh, with, uh, Gato and Jado and uh, Dick Togo and Evil, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm out." House of Torture, done. Can't do it. Can't live. No, they it. probably told him. They said he was going to join the House of Torture. He, he was, was like, beat him. "He's like, fuck you guys. I'm leaving. I'm going to Vince Land. That's where. That's where he's Vince going, Land. baby." Him is Jinsuke, where you don't have to get dropped on your head. That's right. You can use subtitles now, so he doesn't have to worry about his English. <laughs> he was getting self conscious every time he does a promo. It's just glorious. I'm happy. Also, there's no Jericho there. So he doesn't worry, have to worry about having the worst match of his life ever again. No pain maker. Well, he could have somebody like wear spikes and put the mascara on and sing themselves. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be like Drew. <laughs> sure. He's, he's about as boring as Jericho these days. So sure. Why not? So you see this on the free side. If you want to get more of maximum WWE. That's right. He's W the worldwide <laughs> WH park foundation. WWH is uh, going to go hard on any of these guys, whether it's the long and winding Royal Road, where I would be wearing the T-shirt, but I can't find it right now. I organized it and then went sideways. Uh, or you might see him guest appear on that fine sweatshirt he's wearing right now. What sweatshirt's that, W? That's uh, the Poison Rana uh, sweatshirt from com, And I, I was just on their Up Yours uh, Patreon show, reviewing i don't know if you know this rich but i reviewed with uh brayden and davy and and our good friend well your good friend john cena and we talked about fucking howard the duck you know what i'm saying I keep telling you to worry for those of you i keep wh 
when he talks, he leaves this, the commas out of certain things. So, comma, Howard the Duck. No. Otherwise, Howard the fucking duck. There you go. There you right. go. Let's edit that. Let's okay. work for edit, and we got it the right way now. And we the- talked about... You have to, you have to get to get the full experience. You have to sign up for the the Poison Roundup Patreon. But let me tell you something about Howard the Duck really quickly. It's fucking shit, and that's all I'm gonna say. I go, I elaborate a little bit further more on why it's shit. But my God, I wish I could get that hour, that two hours back in my life. I'll never get it back. In terms of time, I don't mind having taken away from me because I thought it was well. Uh, the only item I had for in the MC news is uh, Tatiana Maslany was. And it made the rounds that uh, She-Hulk most likely won't be getting a second season due to the fact that each episode costs around $25 million. And so uh, with Marvel reevaluating their budget, we might not be treated at least in a series format with another appearance by Tatiana as the the Emerald uh, Justiciar or the uh, Barrister with Biceps. I am deeply disappointed uh, not in the news, but in the way people are treating the news. And I'll start with you, Sam, because it's turned into a, well, this is just Marvel figuring out what sucked and what didn't, as opposed to a reflection of what just happened, which was a really fairly won and needed victory for actors and writers and allowing situations like this not to happen because you'd actually have a showrunner that has a vision as opposed to just throwing money as a story and hoping that the talented writers can figure it out when you give them the blame for it. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is, I mean, this is, in my opinion, 2023 is definitely going to be looked at as like a year, an important year for Marvel in terms of, you know, do they properly pivot? Um, Cause obviously they, they had things that both critically and commercially did not succeed like they were hoping and can they successfully pivot? Uh, and some of that is just, you know, believing in certain people to do the right thing and not just have kind of a, an arrogance that, you know, we have the brand on there. And so that'll automatically just bring success. Um, she wasn't able to, I haven't heard from her yet, but you know, I, I've had uh, Marion Dare on this show before we did actually an episode of She-Hulk. Um, she was the, she was credited as the lead writer for Echo. Um, now she would hopefully be considered a showrunner. Um and, um, you know, I don't really want to speak for her on some of her her time working on that. But, you know, it, it's clear that you need to have a good guiding voice and not just um, just throwing stuff out there and hoping that things will work. Um, and, you know, Echo, which we'll talk about a little bit, I feel has maybe a little more, at least from the from the few from the two episodes we're going to talk about has has a good um consistency i think for stuff so yeah that's kind of my thought wh what about you my friend um i think it's a shame because i actually i you know i really enjoyed most of she hulk right and i especially tatiana as jennifer walters slash she hulk um i i i would imagine that they would try to work her into a movie and there therefore you can you justify the budget for the cgi um, or, you know, like she can make a guest appearance until Marvel is ready to like, maybe think about revisiting the character in the future and like with a showrunner. So, so maybe episodes won't cost $20 million per, um, 
and and just think about what kind of direction you want to go with 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 the character and the show but like hey why not have her show up as as an avenger you know what mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you know we you can you can have mark ruffalo and her mm-hmm. on, on the same team as far as i'm concerned and uh maybe you want to you want to like you know kind of phase into more she hulk and less less hulk and you know what here's the thing she hulk can can the headline her own movie bro yeah <laughs> right now hulk can't do that right now so i i'm i'm with you guys on that and looking at the way some of this stuff's posited it's very pro like studio anti-marvel like it's weird it's a lot of weird stuff going on right now like you look at what's coming out in 24 you got Ag- agatha darkhold diaries i don't think they're going to give the static to, to Catherine hahn that we've seen thrown at either any of the women in the marvels or what we saw with tatiana as the lead or any of the issues we had folks exhibit with the fact that Daredevil had to have a walk of shame. It's like, how dare he? He punches people in the face. Why would Matt Murdock be a a, a himbo? Have you read a Daredevil? One. Jesse, have, have you read a Daredevil? Matthew Murdock is a himbo. <laughs> and, of course, X-Men 97, which, as an animated feature, is going to be a little bit lower on the cost. You're going to have a lot more folks that you can work with. And last, but certainly not least... Uh, between Eyes of Wakanda, which might get moved to 25, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, same thing. And, you know, uh, Andy Ortiz just messed me up with that line. Uh, Deadpool 3, which is going to be seen as the savior because it's male leading and not seen as something that had already been critically acclaimed, universally loved, and can, uh, you know, uh, have fun with all of the tropes of the current universe as he helps destroy it. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, clearly what we're going to talk about today, but more so I want to see what the vision is after the multiversal saga. And of course, you know, as we mentioned in the prior series is uh, what's going on, what's going on with Jonathan majors and his removal from, from the uh, project. Uh, but with that in mind, this one, like we said, Sam just mentioned it. We're only going to cover the first two episodes. So this might be a shorter episode of mcu later additionally we won't be using any of the comments at forum.postwrestling.com we still encourage you we still want you to go there but because of the fact that this was released as a spotlight feature and there were five episodes some of the comments might be a little spoilery so if you're following along for us episodes one and two will be now next week we'll come back with three and four and then we'll have a finale we may have a bonus episode but that depends on some other things that are in the universe if it works great if it's not it won't happen so with that in mind, let's talk about the first episode proper. Sam mentioned her, Marion Dare, lead writer for both episodes. Uh, we see that there has been like a transition. Additionally, she was named as an executive producer in the credits from the first scene, uh, first scene of the first episode. And I want to talk, gents, uh, because the two episodes, uh, we, we have the titles being, <clears throat> pardon me, Names in Choctaw which I thought was very respectful. And we see throughout the series thus far in the first two episodes, the Choctaw history and its ties to Meyer and her family by way of, uh, seems like it's going to be a uh, uh, unit that's based through the, 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 the grandmother and her, her tale and her great grandmother. And so the matriarchal ties that bind really carry through in these first two episodes. Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. What did you think, uh, whether it was Chaffa or Loak in terms of the episodes, uh, what did you think about those like opening historical for the Choctaw Nation? Yeah, um, so I thought they were 
well done for the most part. I mean, I, I've only watched the first two episodes right now. I didn't, admittedly, I, when I was talking with you yesterday, I, I had only watched the first one and I want, didn't want to make sure that I hadn't seen more than what we were going to talk about. Um, So I guess for me, it'll be more once I see it as a whole, being able to judge it more because sometimes if if there's not, if it's just being done to, do, to be done, sometimes it can... I don't know. Sometimes I'm just a little more like, could this have been cut or something? Um, but I liked it so far. Um, and, and I think it's, it's helping to build that world, uh, especially as someone who's maybe not as familiar with it like myself. So uh, yeah, it's kind of my thought. WH, how about you? Well, I was, I was very, you know, taken by the fact that there seems to be this synergy with, you know, really playing up the the Choctaw connection of background of, of Maya's character and really bring to the forefront her 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 cultural background and how it it really is kind of you know synergist with what we saw in what if with Kahori Kahori's character and you have like these two you know one is animated in Kahori and and one is is like live action with with Maya Lopez Echo that you have these two prominent, like uh, you know, Native American women characters who are who were very who are very important. One is the lead of her own show, and one was like integral to the you know kind of that the happenings of season two of What If, uh, along with my girl Peggy Carter. And I I I really I really dig it because like I do think again re- I've always said this representation is so important mm-hmm. and like people in those communities are going to see these characters and think, wow, you know, like Marvel has things that I can relate to. I, what else do they have? I want to see it. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, word spreads to people who might not necessarily watch Marvel stuff or superhero Mm -hmm. stuff or whatever. And then they think, Oh, there's, and then they, they maybe through that, they discover, Oh shit, black Panther. (laughs) Oh shit. You know, like, Oh, like, okay. You know, even though the actor himself is not, you know, like blind, but you know, you have, uh, you know, you know, Daredevil. You know, like I, I think you can, you can draw like you know representation from from Daredevil as someone who had who who doesn't have the use of his eyes, but he overcomes that with, you know, really more more than like having his radar sense and having powers because yeah. of the radio radioactive isotopes that blinded him. He it's based on mainly his training. From, from being a ninja, right? So I, th- I think those things you can draw upon and think there's a lot of inclusiveness in Marvel. And I, I, I don't feel like, I know there's a lot of like incels out there who think, oh, they're forcing wokeness on us and through our, these characters or this universe. I don't think so. I, f- I feel it's really natural. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I feel like this is something that's really positive about current Marvel. Like it, as much as people want to take a dump on like, you know, box office, this or this or that, you know, I think one of the great things about Marvel in the last two, three years is like the diversification mm-hmm. of the the characters and what you see on screen and how they want people to feel like, Hey, I can, I can see myself on screen through these shows. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys saw, but Alaco Cox had a really strong interview. I want to say it was the tonight show where she talked about, she wishes there was an echo when she was a kid. As an amputee and as a woman that uh, is uh, hearing impaired, you know, having the ability to see someone who can do all that stuff and be as action oriented. And we haven't even gotten to that part about this series. It is by far brutal in terms of the violence. It's up there so far, two episodes in. It's up there with some of the stuff you might have seen in Daredevil. And uh, 
I really appreciate for all of the issues about box office and all of the complaints that have been levied against Marvel in this movie uh, that they've leaned into that because you're getting so many people. Well, it's whether it's her, uh, Kwatil, or uh, Iman, or Haley Steinfeld. Like, there's so many now young girls who can point to someone that they might identify with. And that allows for a lot more success because it isn't just going to be guys like us that follow it. Like at this point, I'm 42. Like I want my son at 11 to, to pull. He loves miles. Like anytime I go to my post list, like right now he's reading the uh, gang war stuff with miles and he's not getting drawn into the other parts of it, but that's his guy. He, for Christmas, wanted the Spider-Man uh, PS5 combo because he wanted to play as Miles and Peter together. Uh, one of the things I'm starting to put together, and it might be in my recommendations next, is the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man issue number one. That, to me, is like a great introduction, not only to Peter Parker is, but what Spider-Man has been for 60-plus years. And you get it in one issue. It's magnificent to me, and, and you know we'll get to that later. The more you can sell these characters and make them immortal, the more likely it is you'll get people to see themselves. Like, you know, back when Stan Lee first made the character, Spider-Man could be anyone behind the mask. Now it's some of these characters that are facing having someone see themselves as uh, invaluable for their future in terms of maintaining fans. So my next question for you guys, and I'll start with you on this one, WH. Uh, there are a couple of relationships we see in this first episode that kind of get carried as adults into the second. The first is Bonnie. Maya's best friend, and they're separated by trauma, as well as Chula, who's his her grandma. Mima, if you want to follow the Big Bang Theory, or uh, like the, the the fun way to say grandma, I always like saying it. either one. Dealer's choice. Who do you want to start with in terms of the relationships? I think or lack I, thereof. First, I, I well, Chula because I think Chula is the you know is kind of the instigating relationship of Maya's path. To go down, to go to New York with her father because Chula, because you know Chula's grand, maternal grandmother, and uh, Maya's mother is the one who gets uh, killed because the brakes are cut on her car, and she's going to take Maya to get some ice cream, and and the the reason they're cut is because Maya's father is is in, involved with organized crime. And specifically, I believe he even at that point in time, he works for Wilson Fisk. He works for the Kingpin. So Shula blames Maya's father for the death of her daughter and, you know, Maya becoming, you know, becoming motherless. And so, like, she, she, she says, I don't want to see you again. Get out get in my life. I blame you for it. So he goes to New York and that's where he directly works for the Kingpin and where Maya meets Wilson Fisk as a child and would later become you know more familiar working for him directly when she becomes an adult so i i i felt that these two episodes really uh, kind of you know they don't really have any scenes together as i recall when with my adult maya they don't have any scenes together that it it seems much a much more important relationship than the one she has with her cousin and it seems to me with you the thing we get with her is, especially in that second episode, she doesn't want Maya in town because she feels like it was almost very akin to if you ever saw Walk Hard, the story of Dewey Cox, where like his dad keeps coming out and he's like the wrong kid died. Like that's like the trope that he keeps saying. She doesn't want her around the grandkids that she actually loved. That's what it seems like. And that's very painful. Like to think about what happened to Maya throughout this 
history of her life, and her grandmother sees her as this irritant, this vestige of life that, you know, a life that was ruined. Sam, were you picking that up, or am I crazy? No, I I definitely picked up on that to a degree. I, I do think um, there was something uh, maybe a little off with me, as kind of, as WH said, you know, they they... They they had no scenes together, and it just seems like the show is really wanting you to be anticipating when they do meet up. Um, and I think that's only a sometimes you just have to do it, um, especially with characters that we don't really know that well. Uh, you know, and the anticipation of them meeting up is sometimes um, it just needs to be you just kind of got to rip that bandaid off and just go do it as opposed to like, well, you waiting for these characters. It's like, well, I barely know these characters. Cause I'll admit like the Bonnie character mm-hmm. um, doesn't entirely work for me right now, just because she, especially as the, the adult version is not given a whole lot um, in the two episodes. Um, we know she's a, she's a, she's a firefighter. Um, and that's about it. So Rich, you need to talk about my boy, Biscuits. Hey, in my notes, I love Biscuits. So let's 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 talk about Biscuits. I thought he is a great person that's like a cipher for the family relationships in Oklahoma. I thought he was great just being the sidekick and go for it. You you run with it. Run with I, your biscuit I, love. So we don't see him as a kid. So like when no. he shows up later in the episode, he's the first kind of family member to see Maya because she's squatting in in their their old family home and he comes to I guess you know do some maintenance there and like take you know make sure it's clean and everything and then he's like oh my god it's you. Maya it's you like I haven't seen you in years and he doesn't share the sentiment of his grandmother right he's like he's happy to see his cousin again he's 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 hoping she sticks around but like he and he want I I assume biscuits is the brother of Bonnie Am I correct in thinking that? That's kind of what I thought. Uh, so he wants Maya to see Bonnie because he knows how important it would be to his, his sister to see to see Maya again. So I, I thought the actor who played Biscuits really put forth this, you know, like this kind of genuineness to this man, mm-hmm. this man's character. You know, like how likable he is right off the bat, and how he maintains kind of this like this you know likability throughout these two episodes and i i loved his interaction and his participation in the heist in episode two with the train and just trying to follow and he's like oh my oh my god my my i, I just the idea that they have a toyota i think it's a toyota tacoma that mm-hmm. they have a japanese one because he's driving on the because it's on the right it's on the 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 right side right the, the driver the, the steering wheel is on the right side so it's so just to throw that out that uh you know that idea out there oh yeah we imported this 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 pickup truck from japan we didn't just get a a regular american made toyota you know this one is it was a tougher to pick up but i think on the third time i watched it it's because the grandma because it's hers is the male lady yeah and that's why because oh that's why it's right-sided and so they still imported it it's not like here in the united states we just so you're right, but that's that was the excuse for like as the local mm-hmm. male lady, her Tacoma would be right side dominant, and so I, I and let's talk about the train, WH, and then we'll I'll tag into to you, Sam. What did you think of the dynamic of using Maya first? Like we got introduced to the world of how doing a train heist would sound for a woman who can't hear. 
like the extra level of stealth she has to assume because she doesn't know what she's given away. Coupled with, of course, the reveal at the end of the escape where we see her family gift kind of emerge. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of... I bet it's smart because, like, the train is loud. So you can mask a lot of what her actions are. And so she she, she very much thought, how am I going to hit them? One, like, because, like, she knows she has a connection to through her cousin, who's the crime lord in, in, in the town that she goes to in Oklahoma. And then she's like, okay, well, now I know this one. This train's going to go to New York. It's going to deliver something to... The Fisk, and she's not there to steal anything. In fact, you think she's there to steal something, but it's actually the opposite. She's there to add something to this package. And I and I, I loved the the execution of the plot of the sequence. She's she's trying to get to the, the particular crate, and then she's gonna you think she's gonna steal something, but she doesn't. And then we get to the warehouse in New York, and then kaboom. Um, I, I loved all that. I will say this though, like I, I that was for me one of the weakest parts. In though I liked it a lot because there was so much like not great CGI in in that sequence, and that it took me out of it a, a bit. But overall, though, I don't get me wrong, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought uh, Aqua did a great job with the stunts in this thing, and and one thing I, I got to say for. For her, like she exudes so much confidence in doing the the the, the fight sequences and the, and some of the whatever stunts she's allowed to do on camera, that I believe that she, you know, like okay, despite you know, like she she's hearing impaired, she cannot speak, she is more than capable of pulling off like these incredible like feats of like you know high you know doing a heist on a train and a moving train and then jumping off of it and, and and being able to land on on a moving uh pickup truck with the driver's driver's uh steering wheel on the wrong side for america and uh, i think that's it's great I, I i believe in her character these first two episodes sam how about you yeah i guess i was uh just to to, to piggyback on what wh was saying i i really um some of that stuff didn't quite work for me because of how visually not good it was it was like bad day for night stuff uh i just didn't i i'm very much i think one of the keys for marvel going forward is because one of the biggest complaints particularly of last year particularly with like modok looking so bad is just like you need to figure out what you can do really well to make it look great and just stay you know i understand wanting to have you know but don't don't uh don't outreach what you can do. Um, and I think this was one where they maybe tried to do a little more than I think they could achieve. Um, I like conceptually a lot of it, um, but I wish, I just maybe wish it had been done a little better is, and that's such a like generic term and just like, um, but then that's just like, Hey, well, what, what are, what are alternatives we could have done that would achieve a similar goal? Um, I guess, yeah, that's sometimes, I guess one thing that's really gotten on me just in a lot of viewing anything is just when people try something and maybe it's unique and everything, but the execution isn't there. Um, I just wish it was better. That makes sense. And I thought that the CGI, yeah, kind of needed some work. I was more interested in, especially in the second episode, 
trying to figure out where she's coming from. Because in the first one, I think that uh, the way Marion wrote it and the way it was kind of directed, it was an excellent mix. I saw there was a Darren, uh, Darren, uh, I want to make sure I got his name right because I follow him. And he's been on a show with me over on a couple of times for the uh, Darren Mooney. He is a um, film critic in the United Kingdom. And he brought up the point that he wasn't a fan of the fact that the first episode uh, featured a lot of exposition and previously ons that were tied together. And this was set up as a spotlight. And I said that was intellectually unfair because the argument has been up until this point. Marvel has asked for you to do homework that isn't there and you, you never show the work. In this case, I thought they did a great marriage of not only the prior film footage, her young adult life, the tragedy that befell there, and then folding in her versions of certain things happening. Most notably, uh, her first outing and meeting the Daredevil, who whooped the tar, and they kind of like, it was maybe a 10-9, 10-8 round when it was all said and done, and seeing how Kingpin was so excited that she held her ground against him, and it was kind of like going to be this ace in the hole for him. And like leading into training and all that stuff. I thought that was really cool. And then you go into the second episode and yeah, you had the CGI issues, but I really liked the continuation of, okay, there's more to her. And there's maybe this is why she was able to kind of hold her serve against her. It isn't just that she's a decent fighter and rage has filled her heart with such death and destruction surrounding her. She's, she's got some sweet powers. And I, I, I just uh, wonder going forward, the next three episodes, what is your perfect, not ending, but where do you want to see Maya situated by the time she's is she an anti-hero? Is she a hero? Is she a villain that's kind of had some good times? WH, I'll start with you. Where do you, where do you want her to kind of be positive? Well, I mean, you know, let's talk about Daredevil very quickly because the fight with Daredevil is an homage to her origin as a comic book character because she first appears as 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 a as a as a you know antagonist towards daredevil in the in the uh the brian michael bendis run of, of daredevil and, and with uh or is that no wait uh, it's right it's right before it's right before with kevin smith uh no it's between it's, it's between with, i know okay it's like, with it's casada and it's casada and, and mac and david mac okay sorry yep. I got my runs a little confused there. That's right. I, it, it gets I, I try right to there. forget about the Kevin Smith run, to be quite honest with you. I don't think it's that it's that good, you know, hot take right there. Uh, most of Kevin Smith's comic book work, not that great. I wish I wish I wish our friend Scrunt was here to hear me slander his idol, Kevin Smith. He's he's cursing the Listen, he's listening to this, he's cursing me right now. Right now he's putting in the paperwork to dissolve the team make a wish. Wow. That's teammate wishes forever. Anyways, I want to say like it was. I thought it was about time we saw Daredevil show up in his real costume, by the way, <laughs> the all red, and he whooped some butt with the with the with Kingfin's boys with his goons, and then he had the fight with Maya, and and it's just again like I was for me it was like okay yeah okay now we've clearly established this is her. This is her connection to the comics because that's what she she originally started out as a as a as a supporting character as an antagonist to Daredevil being manipulated by the Kingpin like she is now or was in in the MCU. Where do I want to see her go? Well, like she, I mean, she becomes like you know quote unquote a hero. She joins the Avengers at some point. Uh, I don't know if we'll see that 
Okay. But now, you know, I, I, I would like her to stay as a kind of more grounded character. I'm not really a big fan of what they're doing in the comics right now. And for those of you who don't know, and also spoilers, so if, if, if you don't want to know, I give you I give you two seconds to, to, to fast forward, okay? She's the host of the Phoenix Force, okay? That's so crazy. it's not Jean Grey. It's not Jean's alternate timeline daughter, Rachel. It's Maya. She is the host of the Phoenix Force from, from I believe, Jason Aaron's run on, on the Avengers. So as far as I know, she's still the current host of the Phoenix Force. So do I want to see that for happening in... In, in MCU, not necessarily. I'm not a big fan of that in the comics. I necessarily, I don't necessarily want to see that carry over into uh, live action. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right. And so we look at the live action. We look at what's going on. We talked a little bit about the violence and kind of the over. But let's dive in. Uh, one of the things that Maya says to her cousin, who is a DJ slash, I guess, arm of the Kingpin Empire and Uncle Henry. Or I'm sorry, Uncle Henry, not her cousin. The city needs a queen instead of a king. So despite like recovering from these injuries, despite like barely surviving a fight with Hawkeye, she's now in the mindset of, I want to be the ace of aces. I want to be the crime boss. Not just, I want to get respect, because she thinks, you know, clearly, as, as most do, if Fisk is dead. Sam, what did you think about that? So, instead, you know, she goes back to Tomaha, Oklahoma, to, to, to rest, get, get healed up after, uh, but now she wants to be the queen pen. What, what did you think about that turn of events? Yeah, I mean, I I liked it. Um, I'm I'm... I'm of the opinion uh, where where I want to see her land definitely in the probably more anti-hero kind of role for right now. Um, as I was telling you when we were kind of chatting earlier, like the Daredevil is like kind of one of my favorite sections of the Marvel world. Um, and so this is a lot of these are these are characters that I just really love. And I think she would fit really well into there. And I think, you know, I think one of the keys is just figuring out like what you know, keeping some characters really grounded. Other ones can be galactic or anything. I, I kind of, I'm with WH. The thing that I don't like with her being the Phoenix is that I always thought she was such a really grounded character. And I understand the juxtaposition they were trying to do with it. It just doesn't work for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the only reservation I was ha- would have, um, number one, I just, I love D'Onofrio as Kingpin, and I'm sure we're going to get into that. Um I think you'll you you need just to, you have that point where she um, thinks this is what she wants and realizing that isn't really what she wants or what whatever she thinks she'll get out of it it's it's impossible to get what she wants out of it um, and I think that's kind of the journey I would take with that character um, but yeah I mean it's it sets up an interesting um, future so and speaking of future. When you look at, uh, clearly, we're only looking at the two episodes, so I want to close there, and then we'll do some uh, overarching thoughts. You now have a world where Maya 
is trying to get this done. An arms cash of the kingpins. She clearly has. There was someone on the phone with Uncle Henry. Uh, Uncle Henry's a little sidekick, the the the, the sandy haired dude who was at the roller rink, and he oh. seems like he was doing something on the side there on the on the on the celly. You have Chula who hasn't shown up, and as I mentioned before, the thing that's intriguing to me the most is seeing the history of Maya's family through the matrix and how they have all been brave and done things outside of the realm <laughs> what was considered safe. So you get in the first episode, they have to leave their hollowed uh, sacred ground, similar to the the, the dimension in uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, and then in the second episode, uh, which I actually, when we're done with this, I'm hoping that during the snow day I can show my son because he plays lacrosse. It is the Choctaw version of lacrosse, which uh, we have carried forward here, at least in United, uh, Canada and North America. Um, and nothing excites me more, guys, in anything, whether it's television, movies, football, life, sports, than the fact that you have a team and you're playing something or you're doing something. And only when it's the ultimate moment where you're like, we're about to lose, you pull out a dude who's supposed to be your nuclear. Sometimes it's the Hulk. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, you call in Superman if it's DC. In this case, the dude who was waiting in like the hut and his, as someone described on Twitter, he had abs on his back. That's how much muscle he had on. And he shows up and Maya's ancestor has to unlock the power in order to stop him because he was basically a one man crime spree. What do you guys think of that? And what do you think? Like, as I said, with this whole overarching, what do you think the future of echo is going to be as we get towards? Well, I, 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 I think it's an interesting take again, like, you know, if you, if you look at Kahori in what if this is definitely like, they're trying to make, I, I, I do think they're, they're not making her a grounded character by the end of the show, because like, yeah. you know, because what happens in, in episode yeah. two, she, yeah. uh, she, she unlocks the power that her, 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 her ancestors have had like, uh, like in the lacrosse game, her ancestor has to unlock her power because she cannot defeat uh, the big the Brock Lesnar of, of of Native American lacrosse, uh, in episode two, and and I I, I really enjoyed that whole sequence with the lacrosse game. Um, one to see lacrosse portrayed on on screen. Like, no, I'm not a huge fan of it or anything like that. I just thought it was really interesting to see something besides American football, you know, portrayed on American television. Um, but also like obviously. In episode three, and I imagine four, and probably in five, we're going to see more of her ancestors and how they connect to what's going to happen to her in those episodes and her unlocking this kind of ancestral power that's been handed down to her and not to apparently to Bonnie or anyone else in her family. But it, we it's, know of yet. That we know of yet. So, like, you know, it's kind of like in the Buffy universe, she's the slayer, right? So it's like she gets it. So it bypass someone else or, you know, for whatever reason. And then we know of. And then we're, we'll see, like, her become something that's not like her comic book form, maybe. that That's my thing is, like, I, I would rather, like, keep it ground level. Like, that's the thing is, like, this, we should mention this thing is branded as a Marvel spotlight show. And Marvel Spotlight is tends to be for things that they want to have be like less what their typical fare is and more like 
this is like we're not we don't want to really involve too many super powered people in these things we want to keep it more like crime oriented as a as a story as far as story elements go i think when we see daredevil born again come finally come to fruition it might have the same uh branding as um as as a marvel spotlight rather than marvel studios but like, i could be wrong about that because he is such a big character that they I think, might want I think, to... I think they might not i think maybe agatha might be but i think right. i think it might be which is a nice nod to like you know like kind of Marvel anthology titles from the seventies and eighties like Marvel Fanfare, Marvel Spotlight, Marvel you know I just want to see now Marvel two and one give me my Marvel two and one MCU come on do it uh, so that that's I think a very interesting part of the show I I just you know I'm worried where it's going to lead in the sense like oh she's actually got superpowers. But yeah, you don't need to give her superpowers. Like her skills are her superpowers, in my opinion. Yep. Sam, would you think the same thing? Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar uh, boat as WH, because um, I also think that if you make her grounded, that also sets her apart in the current MCU. Um, that's what I. That's what I would kind of do. Uh, speaking of lacrosse and Native American culture, there was an okay mo- uh, kind of indie movie about a decade ago with Brandon Routh called Crooked Arrows. If you want to check it out, it's kind of a, it's more family fair. You could, you could show that to uh, Trey uh, Rich too. So just a little recommendation. You can also show him if you want the, the very underrated uh, uh, John Travolta, Christian Slater, uh, Broken Arrow directed by John Blue. <laughs> Of course. It has nothing to do with anything. Every time. Speaking of recommendations, as I said before, typically, if you were listening to this over on the Patreon side of things, we'd go with the forum and hear their opinions. Because it is five episodes and some of the opinions in there from what I perused were kind of spoilery, I'm not going to do that now to be fair to those listening as we present. But I please encourage you, keep them coming. At the finale, which probably will have Brother Nate we will read them all and we'll go to town. But we still want to keep with our tradition of suggestions. And since we do have our guest here, Sam, do you have any suggestions or comics that you might recommend? Sure. Um, just want a recent pickup here. Uh, the Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, Where the Body Was. Um, they always do great graphic novels. This came out a couple weeks ago. Um, I know there was a lot of shipping issues because my store just recently got it, but those are always uh, solid uh, in terms of Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil, my favorite Marvel hero. Uh, one of my favorites uh, is this wonderful Daredevil End of Days uh, that Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis did with Mac and David Mack and Klaus Janssen and Bill Sienkiewicz and Alex Maleev. It's kind of a, just kind of kind of a, I don't know. I always hesitate to say Dark Knight Returns, but it's definitely more of a of an end kind of story. Um, yeah, I mean, and I absolutely love the Mark Wade, Samney, Marcos Martin, Daredevil run. That's my favorite of the runs. Um, I just it's it's also unique. Daredevil can at times people just be obsessed with wanting to just do miller stuff and just make it dark and gritty and this one is bright and colorful and but still having uh you know deep adult themes a lot of that dealing with like depression and stuff so um just great stuff and how about you wh 
Well, I I just picked something up from work today, and I and I have it handy with me. It's this. It is uh, Darth Vader, black, white, and red. The Treasury Edition size. This is the only uh, format that's out right now. Though I'm sure they'll release a regular size trade paperback. But this is kind of an uh, anthology. Uh, this is kind of a gimmick they do over Marvel right now, which is like black, white, and red. They've done uh, Moon Knight. They've done Elektra. They've done now Darth Vader. And this got some great stories from uh, the likes of Jason Aaron, uh, the likes of Peach Momoko. Uh, who else is in this bad boy? Is it Daniel Warren Johnson, doesn't he? Daniel Warren that? Johnson does uh, a story in, in this as well. And uh, I highly recommend it. I've, I've read all the stories. I just wanted to have a physical copy of this book. It's, it's big. I do ha- fortunately have treasury-sized bags. And uh, yeah, can I – is, is – is right now a bad time to, to declare my absolute hatred of Klaus Janssen and his, and his artwork? Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Here's the thing. Klaus Janssen. So I can, I'll go on a little bit. Like Klaus Janssen is like, he's such a, like nobody uh, has gone further from being linked with Dark Knight Returns than him. I think. Cause he's like, he's a, not a very good inker. He's actually a bad no, inker. He's a terrible inker. <laughs> Cause like, a couple of years ago when uh, um, Bendis was doing Superman books, when they were doing with Ramita and it was with Ramita and Jansen and it's just, it looks terrible. And then for like three issues in the middle, Danny Mickey takes over to do inking and it looks actually good. And I was just like, God damn. He, he is, he is like the eighties version of horrible inker Vince Coletta. The yeah. Vince Coletta, the man who makes Jack Kirby's art look terrible. Yeah. Klaus Jansen, the man who makes fucking er- he made John Burns' art on Wolverine look terrible. Yeah. He made Frank like Frank Miller's work. I like I've seen Frank Miller without Klaus Jansen, and it looks yeah. so much better. I've yeah. seen John Romita Jr. being one of my favorite artists of all time. His fucking artwork is ruined yeah. by Klaus Jansen. I do not approve of Klaus Jensen, <laughs> but I do approve of Vince uh, uh, Bill Sinkovich, one of the greatest artists, but also a great inker. Even though he overwhelms the pencilers he's inking when he does ink do inks, yeah. it's, it enhances it. I feel not Klaus Jensen. Yeah, like it, it, made, it brings it down. When, when Sinkovich does like, especially like Dennis Cowan, like they're a really good duo. Like especially doing like the question. Um, yeah, I, I usually really enjoy that stuff. So yeah, for for uh, a wrestling analogy, you know what it's like. It's like it's like anytime Sammy Guevara shows up on television, just brings <laughs> everything down. Speaking of giving thing, I, I won't bring it down too. But I'm gonna suggest as a, as a, it's not gonna be GI Joe. It's gonna be uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, Jonathan Hickman with Chetto uh, as the penciler and cover artist. And uh, Peach Momoko is going to be a part of this Ultimate Universe. Um, she's going to be doing the X Men series, and I'm so about that, it is very interesting because just to kind of give you all at a glance, uh, this starts with one of my favorite characters in the Marvel, the uh, Maker, being released. And when you remember the events, for those who don't remember, what happened when we had Secret War and everything we're kind of talking about now, and everything got smashed together. There are only two survivors from the 1610 universe, and that was the Maker and Miles Morales. And so the Maker decides, because he's from a universe 
that doesn't exist anymore. He's going to find a place and create a world without the heroes that have always been in his world. And so what you see there, for those of you who are watching, is a memory log of all of the heroes that he's now used time technology that he stole from uh, Kang to eliminate. So, for instance, he shows up a moment before the spider hops onto Peter's shoulder. and He is the person that brainwashes Banner before he goes to the test site. So there's some heroes he's kept, and there's some that he's completely wiped off the board. And so because of that, similar to when we did What If a few weeks ago, you have folks like Thor, who's in jail for the alleged murder of Odin. You have all these other guys who you can't find Steve because he wasn't in the piece of the ice they thought they would find him in. And it's so magnificent for me with Ultimate Spider-Man because the premise of it is, who is Peter Parker if he isn't bitten by the spider? And the answer is he's still a good man, and he's just yearning how he could be great. And that is, again, in a nutshell, when you look at any of these characters, if you can destabilize them, the goal should be at the end of it, who are they, what their mission statement is, and how it differs from maybe, it isn't just, wouldn't it be cool? Because if you just said, wouldn't it be cool if Peter never got bit by the spider? That's a what-if episode, and we don't ever follow through. In this case, you get to see Peter married with kids because he wasn't in the position. He w- you know, Uncle Ben doesn't get shot, so now Uncle Ben's alive. Uncle Ben's best friends with J. Jonah Jameson, and he's the managing editor of The Bugle. And in a multinational corporation, stop if you heard this before, buys the bugle because they think that if you can control the news, you can control the uh, the presentation of the people being profiled in the news, namely Wilson Fisk. So instead of Rupert Murdoch buying, you know, uh, the Sun, it's Wilson Fisk buying the Daily Bugle and saying, "Go along, get along, or get out." Stuff like that, where it's like you take what was, what is, and what could be, and you put it together. I love it. I love it. And so I definitely recommend that. As always, for you folks, if you look in the show notes, you'll have links to these issues if you'd like to purchase them or read more about them in leisure. Um, but yeah, this has been episodes one and two of Echo. Thank you for joining us on the free side. As always, like I said before, whether it's One Milk, One Sugar, Double Double, or Espresso, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your money. We appreciate your energy. I'm going to let WH talk about it in a less exciting, positive way. Because I'm going to let my friend be himself. So, WH, how do you feel about free folks listening to us right now? Hey, man. It's all good. I don't mind. Come on in. But, like, if you want to hear more, guess what? You got to pony up. You got to open up that PayPal, baby, and and go to the – go and go say, hey, I want to subscribe to the Post Wrestling Cafe. Because, like, besides MCU later, I mean, mean, what else is there besides this? But there is a lot – besides us uh, a lot of it a lot of it is like john way man fuck if you don't know about john way i don't know you guys are missing out because those those two guys they're fucking awesome and i i speak irl if you don't know what that means that means in real life because i know those two guys in real life and they're 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 even more engaging in real life but you you, you can't pay for that only people like me get that on a regular basis coffees breakfast trips around you know north america and shit you, that's what you get if you're me if you're the if you're a patreon you get the next best thing which is like them like in your ears or on your fucking youtube every fucking week multiple times because that's what they sacrifice those two men are fathers and they make the time to like come onto your fucking youtube you know what i'm saying and let me tell you something 
if you want to hear more of me and you know, if you miss me and waiting, well, guess what? He's on this month's episode of the long and winding railroad, and we talk about like the the wrestling equivalent of our own personal relationship, Masawa versus Kawada. No, just kidding. <laughs> more, we're more, we're more like uh, Tawe and Kawada. Me and Wei, you know, we're the holy demon army of post wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like when he's with John, they're like Masawa and Kobashi. You know, like me and me and Rich here, we're the we're the Midnight Express. You know what I'm saying? Oh my. You're 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 sweet Stan, not beautiful Bobby. You know what I'm saying, baby? I like it. I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? Except with all the uh, promiscuity of of, of sweet Stan, <laughs> you don't have that aspect of him. You know, no, but don't sting family man. Also, I'm on the uh, Poison Rana uh, Up Yours uh, movie review. <laughs> Talk about Howard the Duck. You know, little little funny story before we head off here. Uh, Rich and Sam, uh, D- Davey Portman uh, mailed me and he said, "You still, you still up for reviewing Howard the Cuck?" And I said, and then he said, "Oh," and then he corrected it to the duck. And I said, "You know what? Based on the reputation of this movie, I'd rather review Howard the Cuck." <laughs> and then he said, "I know, I know, I know you would." And you know, in, in after watching Howard the Duck, I wish there was something called Howard the Cuck that I could have reviewed instead, because I'm sure it would have been way more entertaining. But anyways, listen to that. That's a actually very fun episode with myself, Braden, Davey, and and John Cena. Uh, what else is there? We we've got uh, this. We got two more episodes of this baby, and then also post prayers with me and Karen Peterson coming up in February. Keep your ears out. There's so much content, and we we might have some news for you. I'm not saying what kind of news, but we might have some news for you in February. Just keep your fucking e- your your ears open, your eyes open. You know what I'm saying? Go to the postwrestling.com and listen. Maybe if uh, you know, Rich, I gotta say, maybe if your boss Wade Keller stops being a coward, you'll book me more on the torch side of things. Well, part of it's not Wade. Part of it's like I physically am out of time to podcast right now. Uh... <laughs> you don't need that Will Cooling fucking guy. You just need oh me. God. The full WH agenda. So you can follow me on Twitter, Rich underscore fan. Uh, I'd like to get to 3,000 before Elon destroys the site, but I fear it'll be too late. Just <laughs> it's I, too late. He's ruined it, it already. I like the number. It's, it's in my head. Uh, but I do the deep dive over at The Torch. I do everything with Rich Fan with myself and editor publisher Wade Keller. I also do the East Coast cast occasionally with Travis Bryant. I don't know where Travis is right now. He's in the ether. I can pull him in for a text. Can't get him for a show. Uh, Radican Worldwide with Sean Radican. This is the issue. I'm four shows in already, and I'm not even talking about my post stuff, where you can clearly hear me here with my man WH Park on MCU later. Thank you all. Sam, where can they find you? What do you want them to know about? Anything you want to throw out? The floor is yours, my friend. Sure, I'm not um, I'm not super active on social media or anything. You can find me at Sam McCoy on the Unlike I'm doing more Instagram and stuff lately just because I'm working more on my art and stuff. Um, and uh, also follow Livia Studios on social media. That's my work. We're an art studio for individuals with developmental disabilities and mental health diagnoses. It's something I'm pretty passionate about. Um, two of the artists also live with me. I'm what's called a shared living provider. And so I like to um, just try to support and be positive uh, in the world. Um, I did want to bring up something real quick. Uh, when we did our MCU news, the last time I was on, uh, we, we talked about briefly the MCU timeline book, mm-hmm. which has officially been made null and void because they said the Netflix shows 
were not uh, not a, not on the timeline in that book, but they are now. So that book didn't even last my appearances on this show. That's right, Rich. What did I fucking tell you? On <laughs> oh, your left, WH and I kind of took you to task for that because it was ridiculous. So it just made me laugh when I'm just like, oh my god, it's not even. It didn't even last my appearances on this show. Don't buy that shit anymore, Rich. Just don't buy that those kind of books anymore. I've I've never bought a, a complete timeline of the Star Wars universe. I love Star Wars. I'll never buy one of those books because it it'll never be complete. It'll be invalidated within within a year. So with that, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us here on the Post Wrestling MCU Later Experience. And as always, WH. Well, if you're not a cheap bastard, we'll MCU later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.